0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Customer Love podcast brought to you by Mention Me. I'm your host, Simeon Atkins, and thanks for joining us today. Growing your brand through customer love might seem like an idea that belongs in the company cafe rather than the boardroom. But identifying, growing and activating a base of loyal fans is serious business, and the results of harnessing customer advocacy can be truly transformational for both your company and your customers. We gather experts from across the space to shine a light on how you can unleash a virtuous cycle of sustainable organic growth where your best customers keep coming back and bringing their friends too. So let's get into today's episode. So I'm excited to be joined today by Ed Deason, Head of Customer Experience at Wiggle Chain Reaction. Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. So you're here to discuss how brands can start to move away from one-off transactional relationships with their customers and start to build long-lasting connections to turn more of them into loyal advocates. Before we dive in, though, do you want to give a quick introduction to our listeners? Yeah, no problem at all. So
1: hi, guys. Uh, Ed Deason. I am currently head of customer experience at Wiggle & Chain Reaction. We're a kind of a cycling-focused, uh, cycling and outdoor sports retailer, at e-commerce, and um, Personally, I've been a customer for about 10, 15 years, and I'm an avid cyclist myself. So so when the opportunity came up, uh, I was absolutely psyched. So I, I'm working for a company doing something I love. Uh, before that, I was global head of customer experience at Pret, um, and that was through COVID. So I was involved in the setup of their, their loyalty offering and also the uh, the coffee subscription, the first the first coffee subscription available on the UK high street. And then before that, I've spent about sort of 15 years or so uh, coming up through the travel industry. So in a mix of massive blue chip cruise lines through to small, really exciting uh, adventure travel operators.
0: Fabulous. I must say I, too, am a a regular customer of Wiggle. Um, And I still love the fact that with every delivery, you still get that little bag of Haribo as well. Absolutely. Still a big fan of that. So uh, don't stop that, please
1: my wife loves that too. I mean, whenever, whenever I get an order, there's, there's the order for me and there's the Haribo for her.
0: <laughs> I can't say it exclusively keeps me coming back, but it's definitely one of the factors. So, um, yeah, keep them coming. It's excellent. Um, cool. Now as tradition on the show to get things kicked off, I'd love for you to share a time recently where as a consumer, you experienced cu- customer love firsthand and really what impact that had on you as a consumer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I had a good, good hard think about this and actually I had, a, I had a, an experience that I've been sort of raving about recently or kind of using as a little bit of that kind of what do, when I'm talking to people about customer experience, what do I kind of think of as that great experience or that kind of that that gold standard. And um, I placed an order with a company called Bloom and Wild the other day. So they are a flower delivery company. Right. And, they you know, you order the flowers and you can sign up for a subscription and they pop the flowers through the letterbox. And it was the subscription I was signing up for. And as I was going through the process, they had a number of sort of features that just really popped out for me, right? So the first one is when you're picking your delivery options rather than having, you know, your standard, your premium, your next day, all those kind of options. They had, well, essentially they had those same options, but under each option. So they had the option, the price, and then they said, right, this option, if you were to pick it, has roughly a 94% on-time delivery. This option has roughly a 99% on time delivery right and you're looking at that and i'm going okay well this is good right if i'm thinking about trying to, you know if i'm a consumer or if i'm a customer ordering flowers if it's flowers for valentine's or anniversary or something like that actually it really helps to have a sense of okay how likely are they to arrive on that day right if i'm just ordering them because i like to have flowers in my house 94 percent is probably fine right if i'm ordering them because they need to get there on valentine's or they need to get there on our anniversary then i'm going to go for the 99 right and and I was looking at it. I was thinking, well, OK, look, they've really sort of taken into account the customer here and the kind of thing the customer's ordering. So I, I, I made my choice. I went for the 94%. And then I got to the next stage and I was setting up a, a subscription. And, you know, you could pick your flowers or you could let them pick for you and you could leave it up to sort of a, a, a random selection each month. But as I was going through it, as you get to the bottom, it says, would you like us to exclude lilies? yeah. And for anyone listening who's not sure why that question's in there, right? Lilies are super toxic to pets. Yeah, cats and dogs, they're super poisonous to cats and dogs. And whenever I order flowers, I'm I'm, I'm always having to put a note saying, please don't include lilies, because I hate the thought of accidentally including something that's going to then be a problem for the person receiving the flowers, right? The absolute opposite of what you, how you want someone to feel when they receive flowers. You don't want them to think, oh, I've got to get rid of the lilies or I've got to do something with it. So the very fact that they'd sort of preempted that, and it is probably one of the things that I find most important when I'm ordering flowers. I was like, oh, okay, right. They really, they really understand their consumer. Okay, this is great. So I placed the order. I said, you know, please don't send me any lilies or please don't send any lilies. Um, And and that was that. And the subscription was set up and then they were due to arrive on a Saturday. Now, bearing in mind, I picked the 94% delivery option. Uh, they didn't arrive on a Saturday. And I thought, oh, they're probably going to be sat over the Sunday as well, because they're probably not deliver on the Sunday. They're going to deliver on the Monday. That's actually not great. So I went to log into the site and leave a bit of feedback about it. And when I logged in, they said, oh, look, we can see... So all automated. Oh, look, we can see your flowers weren't delivered on the Saturday. Sorry about that. Don't worry. They'll be safe in their box. And would you like five pound credit? No need to speak to a customer service agent. No need to jump through any hoops. It was literally the first screen I saw as I logged in. And I went these guys get their customer, right? They, they they made it easy for me to pick the delivery option that was right. They made it super easy for me to just deal with something that's a problem every time I order flowers. And then they made it super easy. When I log in, they've gone, oh, look, we recognize the impact this has. Just have Fycwood credit. And that was it. Totally took the wind out of my sales. I was like, right, this is phenomenal, right? They, they totally, totally understand what their customer is looking for. So yeah, I came away from that going, well, I would order from them every time.
0: It's interesting. We actually had the uh, the director of customer delight at Bloom and Wild on the podcast a few weeks ago, um, which is why I was smiling as you were telling <laughs> that story. Because um, a lot of what you were saying there, she was kind of bringing up as examples of, of what they do. Um, and you're right. They, they totally they totally have customer experience at the heart of everything they do. Um, and I think a lot of that comes actually from their from their CEO. I know when he founded the company, he really had customer love and customer experience right at the centre of everything mm. he was thinking. And that's obviously just kind of continued and flowed as as uh, as Bloom, and, Bloom and Wild have grown as well. So um, a nice coincidence there that he brought yeah. up that example <laughs> as well.
1: I saw the smile and thought I wonder if you've had you've had those guys on yeah and look phenomenal and I I can't fault it I you know as you know as a customer experience professional I just went they just get me right they get what I'm looking for as a customer
0: fabulous love that um okay so let's move into uh, what we're going to discuss today so um this idea of customer love um will obviously mean different things to different people particularly in a business mm. context and I'd love to get from from your perspective as someone that's worked in customer experience for many years What is customer love really all about in your eyes?
1: Oh, this is a great question. Um, So so when I think about it and I think if I'm going to I'll use the example I just did. Right. So so for me, that that customer love element is that sense as a consumer, as a customer of of being understood. And of being heard. Right. So so really when you when you walk away from an organization, the ones that you talk to other people about are the ones where obviously terrible experiences, but also where you felt, wow, they, they got me. Right. I've told this, bloomin life, like I said, I told this bloomin story to a bunch of people because I just went, look, they just understood me as a customer and and not they understood me with an algorithm. Right. So so I think, you know, if you look at the Amazons of this world, they'll make recommendations and you go, oh, yeah, that's tailored. That's tailored. That's something I'd like. That's something I'd like. Right. And they make these recommendations for you. But fundamentally, as a consumer, you know, that's just an algorithm in the background making those recommendations for you. The ones that the ones where I feel that kind of true sense of customer love is where it's clear that someone has designed it with you in mind. Yeah. Has thought about you personally, not an algorithm working out what might be the next best option. But an individual has gone, right, this is a thing that people talk to us about a lot. How do we make this easier for people? How do we make this process the best it can be? So it's that idea of feeling heard and understood. Um, I think I've got I've got a great example from from Wiggle of the kind of thing that I'm talking about here. So we had a, a customer write to us a little while ago, and uh, they wrote to they wrote to sort of the CEO. Talked about uh, an experience they'd had with one of the customer service agents, and they'd said, "Look, so I've been looking at a few bikes recently." Um, I've been looking online and I I got it narrowed down to two bikes, right? One of them is yours, one that you sell. And one of them is another brand that a bunch of other places sell. Okay. Now I went to those other places and I spoke to their customer service teams and I said, look, I've got these two bikes in mind. Can you give me a comparison of the two? Yeah. And they went to at least two shops or two, two retailers before us. And in both those retailers, they said, well, we can talk about, we can talk about the bike we sell, but we can't talk to you about the other bike. OK. Uh, and the guy said, OK, so so he didn't really have sort of very fruitful chats with them. And then he came to us and he said, look, I'm interested in these two bikes, the one you sell and the one you don't sell. Uh, could you give me a bit of an overview? And the agent that dealt with him said, yeah, no problems. Let's 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 have a look at them. What's the one you're looking at? And what's our one? And he took him through the features and the spec and what he liked about them and, and, and all that kind of chat. And the customer at the end said, look, I'll be honest with you. You know, which one would you pick? Yeah, would you pick your one or would you pick the other one? And our customer service agent took a look at it and went, look, I'm going to be totally honest with you here. The bike that's on sale at the other retailer probably has a better spec. You know, it is probably if I was, you know, if I if this was my budget, that's the bike I would go for. Right. And the customer, thank you very much, went away. And the reason he was writing to us, he said, look, I'll be honest with you. Right. I went away from that conversation. And I had a bit of a think about the two bikes. And look, I'll be honest, I didn't buy your bike. Yeah. Actually, I didn't buy their bike either. What I did was scrabble around in my bank account, found another couple of hundred quid, and bought the next bike up in your range. And he said, look, I'll be... And the reason was, you treated me so well when I wasn't even a customer at that point. He said, I knew that if I did become a customer, you'd treat me in the right way afterwards. And he was, and he was like, I didn't, and I didn't get that experience elsewhere, and that's that's that sort of perfect example of that kind of custom love piece for me. That guy went, you you've understood what's important to me, and you've treated me treated me in the right way.
0: And as someone that was buying a bike quite recently, I know there is just so many things to consider when you're buying a bike. Um, so I love that story. Um, I love the fact that you know now he's. He's not going to become a customer and he's he's purchased from you, but he is now going to be going out and telling all his friends about the great experience he's had as well. So he's going to be bringing other people um, to to wiggle as well, which I just think is is fabulous. I also really like the fact that that you're not necessarily just thinking about your existing customers and trying to kind of elevate their experience and turn them into fans. You're actually looking at people that aren't even customers yet and trying to turn them into fans by obviously the experiences you're giving, which I think is a really it's a really great way of looking at it. You're not just, you know, you're not thinking, oh, this customer has been with us for six months, 12 months. Okay. Now is the time to give them the VIP treatment. You're actually doing that pre sale, which I think is great. There was another interesting point you made there as well around the experiences that we talk about, which I think is very true. You're either going to talk about very bad experiences or brilliant experiences. You're not going to talk about those ones in the middle. Um, So again, that obviously that great experience that you're able to give there is one that that customer's going to be able to talk about to their friends. Yeah, absolutely. And, and
1: I think it, The the, I guess this bit that stands out for all of us is we go, oh, yeah, that's how I'd like to be treated. Yeah. And that's what that's what our advisor sort of kind of thought. He went, well, look, this guy's obviously had trouble. It's I, I would want to know which is the better one. If I had if I was talking to an expert, I'd want to know which one they'd pick.
0: So I'm going to be honest with him. Yeah. Fantastic example. Um, okay, so to, to shift gears a little bit, um, mm. if, we, if we're talking about sort of existing customers now, there's obviously a lot of focus around uh, customer loyalty and, and keeping customers coming back. Um, but I've been interested to talk to you about um, the difference that you see between um, a repeat customer, so someone that is coming back, and a loyal customer. Are they the same? Or is there sort of like a subtle difference there between the two, would you say? what What is true loyalty all about to you? Oh, great question again. So I love this one. So um,
1: what I'm going to do is probably start with the kind of the academic overview of this, if that's all right. So um, I suppose the, the the academic view of loyalty is it, it. there's essentially kind of two pots of loyalty. OK, there's what we call behavioral loyalty, and that's kind of based on convenience and price and habit. OK, so to give you a concrete example, I suppose. So when I was working in London, uh, I got the train every day. Okay, so Southwest trains from where I'm based into the city pretty much on a daily basis, pre-COVID. And so if if I was Southwest trains, right? I would look at that and go, well, this customer's loyal to me. They buy a train ticket every Monday to Friday. It's a reliable income. I know that that customer is loyal, right? And that's that kind of idea of behavioural loyalty. So for me, where I was based, there's no real easy way to get into London other than getting on the train. Yeah. But genuinely, if you had offered me any other suitable alternative, I would have bitten your hand off. Because as anyone who gets public transport knows, it is a horrific experience. Right. Uh, The trains are packed. They're uncomfortable. They're hot. You know, you never get great service. So so I was behaviourally loyal in the sense that I made that purchase every day. Right. But honestly, if you could offer me a better example, I'd have been out of there. Yeah. So that's that kind of behavioral transactional loyalty based on kind of price or convenience or habit or because there's no alternatives. And then the other option is what's called attitudinal loyalty or it's quite often talked about as emotional loyalty. Yeah. And that is where a customer has sort of a, a real desire to actually purchase from the brand because they have an affinity with that brand, because they like that brand, because they like the experience, because they like how they've been treated, because they feel that it's, it's a brand that really reflects their principles and lifestyles. Yeah, these are the kind of, I suppose, the apples of the world, where, where you've got this real dedicated, loyal fan base who who have an emotional connection to the brand itself. So, so those are the kind of the two examples. You've got that behavioral loyalty, which is generally born out of transaction. And then you've got that emotional, attitudinal loyalty that is more
0: a uh, deeper connection to the brand. So what you're saying there essentially is behavioral loyalty could be almost like more of a marriage of convenience. It's kind of like, yeah, this is the best possible option and that's why I'm using it. But actually, if something else came along, whether it was a, you know, a cheaper price or a better location or whatever it is that was more convenient, again, I would move to them. Whereas when you've got more of that emotional connection, you become more kind of deep rooted in that, that product or that brand or whatever it is. And it becomes a lot more difficult for you to uproot and move somewhere else.
1: Absolutely. If there's a coffee shop on the way to the station, you might be behaviorally loyal to that coffee shop because it's the only option on the way to the station. Right. But if someone opens a better coffee shop or a cheaper coffee shop or a nicer coffee shop next door, you might go there instead. That's that behavioral transactional loyalty. Whereas if you have a real affinity with the barista because you have a great chat with them every day. Right. You might be emotionally loyal or attitudinally loyal to that to that coffee shop and decide that you won't go anywhere. And that's that's the difference, I think, for for brands to think about. And, and particularly, you know, when brands are thinking about loyalty as a reward scheme or a program, uh, people tend to focus on that. How do we give discounts? How do we give rewards? And quite often, brands will forget about the emotional element. Yeah, rewards are great. But if someone, if your competitor turns up the next day offering better rewards and you haven't built that emotional element of the loyalty, well, your customers are just going to jump ship. So you've got to do a bit of both. But, and, 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 you know, where it matters, where it's sticky, where your customers are really going to stay as that emotional element.
0: And I guess if you're sort of constantly relying on discounts, it's going to damage your profitability as a business anyway. Um, and it leaves you, as you said, more vulnerable. If if another brand comes along with a with a cheaper rate again, then they're just going to jump ship and then you're going to have to pay to reacquire it again. So I guess it's kind of like a bit of a, a vis- bit of a vicious cycle there. Um, yeah, absolutely.
1: A yeah. race to the bottom. Yeah. yeah. And, you, you know, and you, you see that in, I don't know, uh, tick, uh, flight tickets, for example. Right, because it's quite an undifferentiated offering. It's seats, a seats, a seat. You know, airline margins are horrific.
0: <laughs> yeah, makes complete sense. Um, and why, in your eyes, do you think it is important for brands to try and move away from, you know, one-off transactional relationships with their customers? Um, you know, where they're coming and they're spending every now and again, then they're then they're going um, versus starting to build more of those deep, meaningful connections that you're alluding to just there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are so many benefits, right? <laughs> I think you know, when you talk about um that that attitudinal, that emotional loyalty, you know, immediately when you think about the brands you love versus the brands that you have a transactional relationship with, you you can recognise in yourself there's a different set of behaviors, right? You'll talk about them. The Bloom and Wild example is a great, you know, it's a great one. I really I feel a real affinity for them, so I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and that's what's called the the ripple effect. So and was, you know the same with that that customer that spoke with a member of my team like you said that's probably a story that he's going to go away he took the effort to write to us he's probably also told 10 20 30 of his cycling mates as well that that's the experience he had and that has a ripple effect because then those guys go oh okay i'm i'm maybe interested let me let me go and buy from there. and if they have a great experience then it ripples outwards and you have this continued kind of strong word of mouth cycle that's going on so you've got ripple effect recommendations um You talked a little bit about pricing there actually a second ago about jumping ship. But actually, one of the things you see with consumers who are who are attitudinally loyal, emotionally loyal is a bit of price insensitivity. Right. And I think Apple's probably a great example of this. Apple essentially can charge what they like. Right. Because they've got such a dedicated fan base. And, you know, if we look at the price of handsets these days, it's phenomenal. And yet uh, Apple don't have any trouble selling them, do they? Because people have a real affinity with the brand. They are less sensitive to the price. So. If you've got a place where, uh, if you've got a a company that you love buying from, you are a bit more likely to go, well, actually, you know, I'd rather, I don't mind paying a little bit more because I get this experience that I love. Um, We've also seen that consumers who are emotionally loyal are less likely to complain. And actually, they've got a better understanding of your processes as well. So a great example of this is um, when I worked in the travel industry, we had, uh, I worked for an adventure travel operator. Yeah traveling all around the globe yeah literally anywhere you can imagine they offered holidays to you know north korea iran iraq all those kind of places right um also fabulous places um and and what we found is customers buying for the first time really needed some hand holding through the experience you know do I need visas? Do I need injections? Do I need inoculations? What kind of what do I need? You know, really that kind of sense of oh, what else do I need? And there were a lot of contacts between making that booking and actually going on that holiday. And they have phenomenally loyal customers. I mean, when I left the company, I think that the most loyal customer had travelled with them over a hundred times. Yeah, think about it. When was the last time you travelled with a tour operator more than once? And this guy had travelled over a hundred times. They had customers who regularly travelled more than twenty times. And what you find with those customers as well is. And, and your emotionally loyal customers, they get your processes, right? So the first time they travel with you, they need a bit of handholding. By the time they travel 20, 30, 100 times, they're, you know, they, they they get it completely, right? So you haven't got that cost of dealing with it. So they, they become cheaper to serve because they're loyal, and because they understand how it works, and because they've got that sort of affinity with you. Um and then of course you've just got cut they're just customs are more likely to engage with you. They're more likely to leave reviews if they like you. They're more likely to take photos, they're more likely to share content, they're more likely to talk about
0: you. Yeah. Yeah. And amazing. then
1: of course, you know, the final one is of course they're more likely to come back and spend with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um Ed, we've covered some amazing ground today. Um the final thing that I wanted to cover with you was um in your experience, what do you think really drives customer loyalty? And do you have some examples you can share of of campaigns that you've run trying to target your customers to turn them into into brand advocates? Um. Yeah. So, so I mean, fundamentally, for that behavior, uh, sorry, that attitude,
1: new loyal element, right? There's there's three key components to it. There's satisfaction, there's commitment, and there's trust, and that's the academic view of things again, right? So, satisfaction. Are you providing them with a truly satisfying experience? Yeah, you can have the most exciting loyalty program in the world. Yeah. But if fundamentally your customers are not satisfied with the experience they have with you, they're not going to be emotionally loyal. Yeah. Commitment is all about how committed do they feel to you as an organization, but also how committed do they feel you are to them as an Mm. organization. So that Broom & Wild example is a great one of me just being able to go on and hit, yes, I'd like a five pound voucher, a five pound credit, right? It made it feel like I didn't have to fight for it. They were committed to keeping me as a customer and they understood the inconvenience they had. And then the trust element. Do they believe in what you say? You know, if they speak to one of your, uh, one of your staff, do they? Be- does the customer believe you'll do what you say you will? Yeah. And then also more widely, if you're talking about um, societal issues, do they believe you? Do they believe you're genuine when you talk about these things? Are you demonstrating the behaviours as well as talking about the behaviours? So the three kind of the key elements are uh, satisfaction, uh, trust and commitment. And then in terms of um campaigns we don't, I think the one from a little while ago, but it was probably one of my favorites. Actually, it's from the from the adventure travel company as well, is uh we had like like everywhere else, we offered reviews on our site. Um and this was this was a few years ago now, but um we started off with uh, you leave the ability to leave photos, right? So so we are talking a little while back now. This is not revolutionary stuff. But if you think about the type of customer we're talking about, right? We're talking about customers who are going on holiday. But they're not just customers going on holiday. They're customers going on exciting adventure holidays around the world, yeah? These people love, love taking photographs, yeah? They love sharing their photographs. They love talking about where the photograph was taken. And that was an opportunity for us to really tune in and go, right, we've got this super excited committed bunch of people who love talking about their holidays and have probably taken some absolutely phenomenal photos. So we went out with a real campaign to drive up that that the, the number of photos that were available in the reviews and really get people to send in their photos and talk about them a little bit more. And if to this day, if you go on the website, you can see some of the most phenomenal photos under each of those different trips. The people just people are desperate to talk about right, and they're desperate to share their photos. So, and and I suppose the purpose of that was what. What could we do? Where could we really tune in to that engagement, to that that sort of emotional attachment? Right. So for those customers, it was people love showing photos. They love talking about their holidays. Yeah. So the recommendation is, you know, have a think about who's your customer. What do they love about you and how can you get them to talk about it? And for us, it was ask people who've just been on holiday to share their photos. Yeah, we all do it, don't we? We love getting home and going, look at this cool thing I saw. Look at this great sunset photo. Look at this fabulous whatever. So for that, for us, it was a really easy way to go, right, you guys love, you love traveling with us. You loved your holidays. Show us what they look like. Send us your best photo.
0: Love it. What a great way to finish. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to the Business of Customer Love podcast hosted by Mention Me. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time where we'll be speaking to some more amazing guests about how you can harness the power of customer love. See you again soon.